As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, January 22nd. For those of you watching live, thanks for joining us at this special start time of 8 p.m. Eastern, where I am joined by Chris Gullo, who has just, just left Orchard Park, just left Rich Stadium, and... Uh, He, he, he has reported to me off air that he is all footballed out, never watching again, never watching football again as the Bills suffer a demoralizing loss to the Cincinnati Bengals, not advancing. The Buffalo Bills season is over. Bengals versus Chiefs next week, the AFC Championship, where I know Chris Cole is going to be glued to the screen next week. Hello. Okay. Hello. Brandon, you're full of misleading And for me, football the rest of tonight and then probably next week. I'll watch the Super Bowl, but I'm pretty footballed out. And, okay. uh, yeah, and I, I, I did get home from the game at 50 Eastern Standard Time. We are doing this at 8.30. So. Quick quick transition here. So, How, how, was, how was the drive home? Terrible? Snowing? Absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. Snowing, slow uh, traffic, just not, not fun. I'm cold. My um, feet were soaked because my boots, was, they got wet. <laughs> I can't, where, where in the stadium do you sit? I sit in the 200, so it's very open. Uh, there's nothing above us or anything. So, okay. Well, anyway, as, 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 we, uh, as we are live here, Cowboys versus 49ers is happening on Fox. Battle of field goals at the moment. Um, <clears throat> so Wall Street Journal had another article about Vince McMahon. He has made a settlement with Rita Chatterton. We will talk about that. Nick Khan had an interview with Bill Simmons on Bill Simmons' podcast. Uh, we will talk about that. I know we talked about that somewhat on Thursday, but we've got a few more things to go over. And we, oh, we've got to get Chris Gullo's thoughts on it as well. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into more as we go. But first, um, here we go. If you want to put a super chat in, submit a question, make a comment, uh, we will handle that. Uh, if it's pertinent during the live stream, or if not, then then at the end. So Wall Street Journal came out with an article 
Another one by Ted Mann and Joel Palazzolo. Uh, this was, when was this? I think this was Thursday, was it? Um, it was, it was after a couple days after the Nick Khan interview. Uh, and it reads, well, it reported that Vince McMahon agreed to a multi-million dollar legal settlement with Rita Chatterton, the former WWF referee who accused him of raping her in 1986. According to people familiar with the agreement, the settlement was completed last month and averts public litigation over her allegations as Vince and WWE pursue a possible sale of the company. Chatterton earlier earlier demanded $11.75 million in damages for the alleged rape, according to a November letter referenced earlier by the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Chatterton agreed to an amount less than $11.75 million, but still in the millions, the multiple millions of dollars, according to the journal. Vince's lawyer, Jerry McDivitt, gave the following comment, Quote, Mr. McMahon denies and has always denied raping Miss Chatterton, and he settled the case solely to avoid the cost of litigation. Uh, it's worth mentioning, in the past, Wall Street Journal has reported that Mario Mancini uh, and Greg Valentine recount being told about the rape by Chatterton. Uh, Greg Valentine places it somewhere in the 1980s. She alleges the incident happened in July 1986. Mario Mancini recounts being told by Rita Chatterton the day after the alleged incident. Um, Vince has also made other settlements, including NDA settlements, with other women uh, in the past, uh, including one made in 2018 for $7.4 million, I'm sorry, $7.5 million with a former WWE talent who in 2005 he allegedly coerced into oral sex and demoted after that female wrestler rejected his further sexual advances. Uh, there are other NDAs as well, other allegations, which we'll touch on later. So what's, uh, I, I, I did talk to someone about just, you know, just what's going on in, in, in WWE as far as the sale and what, what we think is, uh, likely or unlikely does making the settlement, make it easier or harder for WWE to make a sale of the company. Is it is it bad news out there in the public again about the alleged wrongdoing of Vince McMahon that's going to hurt the prospect of a sale? Or is it a, a, a message to say, hey, look, everything's everything's behind us now. We don't have to go through a public battle. This, this in all likelihood, if it was not settled, was going to turn into a, a, legal, a legal complaint was going to be filed. And if it wasn't settled... Somewhere in that process, you know, th this would have gone further and there would have been more reporting on it. So I don't I don't know. Do you, do you have a, a thought on that, Chris Gull? Uh A little bit. Uh, first off, it, it's surprising to see Vince back down. I mean, yes. he fights things. Well, That's what he does. It's in his nature. Uh, but uh, to that, I think it's a kind of a combination of it being a sale and just getting it away uh, because I truly think that he is looking for a sale where he stays in power. So what I think he's looking for is a sale where he stays in power. So probably the less bad baggage he has, he can go forward and push that on whoever buys the company. Okay. Um, so th this is related somewhat to to what what uh, was discussed between Bill Simmons and Nick Khan on Tuesday. Bill Simmons opens up this podcast saying it's Tuesday morning. I think he says something like 10 a.m. Pacific time. They're at the WWE LA office. 
Um, you have listened to this podcast, Rachel. Yes. So one of the things that is talked about in this podcast, um, Bill Simmons asks Nick, who is now the sole CEO of WWE, still and has been throughout this entire controversy, scandal surrounding Vince, has been a member of the board of the board of directors. Uh, Bill Simmons asks him if he's worried about more revelations coming out about Vince that will be unflattering. Remember, this is Tuesday. That Wall Street Journal article came out a couple days later. Nick Khan says, I'm not. He's not worried. He says, it feels like whatever happened, happened. And it's not and it's out there and people know. I've always found him, he's referring to Vince, to be a very honest broker with this stuff. So even with the process that started last summer, there was nothing that he hid. There was nothing that he covered up. And I think he was very honest about it. And I appreciated that. And I think a lot of other folks did too. Um, so he, he, he appreciated that Vince was very honest about his non-disclosure agreements. Um, sound, sounds good, right? Uh, Bill Simmons also brings up specifically, he says Rhea Chatterton's name. He, uh, he doesn't say the word rape. He doesn't say sexual assault or anything like that. Uh, but he does bring up the Rita Chatterton case and asks Nick, Nick Khan if, if, that, if that's a concern. Nick says, I think everyone's just plowing ahead because in all of these businesses, there's never a clean, clear path. There's always some encumbrance, something in the way, some hurdle in the way that you have to get around or get through. So I see that like any other item like it, end quote. Um, again, th this settlement that the Wall Street Re Journal reports, they refer to as being settled last month. That is December. So that settlement has already happened. Seems pretty likely to me that the board of directors would be aware of that. Nikon is a member of the board of directors. Seems very likely to me that Nikon was aware of that. For what that's worth, I don't know that, that tells us much of anything. I, you know, I don't expect him to reveal that and say, oh yeah, the rejection, that, that, that thing's uh, settled. But um, Nikon, referring to rape allegations as encumbrance, Something in the way, some hurdle in the way that you just have to get around or get through. Um, sounds pretty fair. Sounds okay. Uh, or, or, or what, Chris Gall? It's uh, when I heard this, when listening to it, you know, this isn't, and we're going to get more into it when we talk about the Roger Goodell comments. Uh, but yeah, it's just, they're treat, he's treating it almost like it's Vince was like, seeing Vegas gambling millions of dollars. Like, like it's like this little incident, like this is, a, was a serious allegation and, and he's had a, and we're going to go into it. He has had a past of other allegations. I just, I was disappointed with the way Nick handled that. I'm going to be honest. Um, how many allegations of either sexual misconduct, we might say inappropriate relationship or, sexual harassment or sexual assault, assault or rape does does Vince have? Do you know the number off the top of your head that, that the public knows about? Is it five? No, it's more than that. Okay. It's seven though, right? It is. It is, it is seven according yeah. to, to uh, my, my graphic here. Um, so there is – the earliest one that we know about is 1986 with Rita Chatterton. Uh, she's the only person whose name is, is known uh, to the public. Um, there's – where, where do we go here? There's the former WWE wrestler. The incident of coerced oral sex is 2005. The, the settlement and payment happens years later in, in 2018. Um, so we have 2006, a former WWE manager. 2008, a 
former WWE contractor, and I, sh I should say what each one of these are because it's each one is different, right? Uh, the, the manager in 2006, that, that is a sexual relationship. That is a CEO having a relationship with uh, a worker, an employee in the company. Uh, unsolicited nude photos sent to a WWE contractor in 2008. NDAs of a million dollars for each of, of, of those people. Uh, 2006, I'm going slightly out of order here chronologically. 2006 is the tanning salon, Tanzabar incident in Florida where – he allegedly forces himself onto the employee at the tanning salon. 2011, he allegedly sexually assaults a spa manager in California. And then we have the 2022 uh, sexual relationship with the former paralegal. So it's not as if these are all at, at, at some if, – if that made it better. It's not as if these are all somewhere in the past decades ago or years ago even. This settlement with the former paralegal, which is the first story that came became known to the public through the Wall Street Journal, that happened last year. So that's something to to keep in mind. And, and, and I don't it's uh, may, maybe the powers that be in WWE are sort of leaning on that to, to let people think that this is all sort of in the past. But it's it's not that far in the past. And in fact, the most recent allegation is was the the settlement at least the agreement was made in 2022 the former paralegal was in the company in 2021 uh i don't know if she was in the company in early last year uh but in any case um nikon goes on to compare the situation that that wwe and vince mcmahon are in uh, as as similar to the situation between nfl commissioner roger goodell and uh an nfl player at the time ray rice um this was in response to Bill Simmons asking, you know, a lot of people are saying that he shouldn't come back. So, so why did he come back? Nick Khan says, well, so here's what I'd say. And I, I'm, I'm being careful. I want to quote him in, in, with, with fairly long quotes. So, it, so we're sure we're not leaving out some important context. So I'm, so I'm reading fairly lengthy quotes. We're not taking like one sentence here. Anyway, Nick says, quote, well, so here's what I'd say. You and I had a conversation. I don't remember the exact time frame, but whenever the Ray Rice stuff happened in the NFL eight, ten years ago, whatever that was, and there were conversations at that point. Now, you're of the point of view, uh, you, not your point of view, not my point of view, that, oh, Roger Goodell is going to resign. If you remember, he had, he had a lot of heat. So for people not familiar, um, what, what is this story? You as an NFL fan, I, I imagine, would be familiar with, with what this story yeah. was about Ray Rice. Um, Ray Rice was uh, caught on camera assaulting his, I believe his girlfriend or his wife. I can't remember uh, what the relation was at that time. Um, in an elevator? And, yes, in an elevator. And uh, there was, was a lot of heat on the camera. NFL. This was caught on a security camera. How to handle it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the NFL ended up suspending him for a whole season, I believe, that that was. Uh, but people did call for Goodell to resign because there was that and a bunch of other, like, things that were going on at the time, but this is totally different. This is Goodell getting heat for one of his employees. You could say, you know, uh, in the context. context. Was, was it Roger? Was it Roger Goodell who was being accused of being abusive or having inappropriate no. relationships or assaulting? No. People? Okay. It was just how he was handling the situation or how he's handled the NFL. And Vince is the one who's being alleged of it. It's a totally different situation. Not a, I don't think it's a fair comparison at all. Nick, Nick goes on and he says that uh, he's, he's talking to Bill Simmons. He says, quote, 
you and I both concluded to each other, well, no advertiser has fled. Again, I'm going to pause here. He's talking about the NFL situation with Roger Goodell, Ray Rice. He says, well, no advertiser has fled. Ratings aren't down. The product seems to continue to build. Why would he resign? He's referring to, to Goodell. Why would he resign? Why would he do that? So I think that's more, keep in mind, I, I've lived in Los Angeles. How long have you lived in LA, Bill? 20 years. Okay. So I've been here since 2000. So 22, 23 years. Sometimes I think it's just a three mile radius of LA thing. The, hey, step down and you have to sort of be punished for it. It didn't used to be that way. Um, so it didn't used to be that way. There used to, you know, you didn't, there, there wasn't, um, this cancel culture, I guess, that, that went out and tried to hold people accountable for, for things they allegedly did wrong. Um, is that what he's saying? Am I getting that right, Chris Call? I mean, in, in that area, yeah. That eventually people will just forget about this, that this is not what the – this may be something that, that people in the cities and in, in L.A. where there's a heavy concentration of, of people in, in media or maybe there's, there's people who are particularly sensitive to stories like this. Those people really care about it. But the general public, hey, look, the ratings are fine. Hey, look, the advertisers haven't even fled. Uh, the product seems to be continuing on just fine. So, so why should they step down at all? Does he does he make a good point there? Uh, so this was another thing while listening to it, and it's like I I get that business perspective, but sometimes like don't morals overcome business? <laughs> I mean, I guess <laughs> maybe that's why now I'm not built for. <laughs> well, you know. I, I I know people um people who are who are just watching the or just listening to the audio only version of this podcast they they can't see you now Chris Gola, up on your high horse uh, trying to talk down to major executives like Nick Khan the smooth Nick Khan in WWE trying to talk to talk down to them about morals and you're moralizing to them and I mean I, I mean look at the end of the day isn't the Earth just going to be absorbed by the sun and burnt to a crisp someday? I mean, then, then what does it matter? Why do we have to worry about morality and, and right and wrong? And, and who, who's to say what's right and wrong? Why is why should we care about anything more than, you know, the success that we can have uh, as a business? I mean, I think I've made my point pretty clear. <laughs> like, so after uh, Ray, Ray Rice uh, was was uh, dealt with or wasn't dealt with by the NFL. I believe he was cut by the Baltimore Ravens, which was the team that he was playing for at the time. Um, I mean, eventually, once the people in L.A. in that three-mile radius got over it or or they were dismissed and, and Roger Goodell didn't resign, how many more downs did, did Ray Rice play in the NFL? He played no more downs in the NFL. Your, uh... He played no more downs oh, in the yeah. NFL. This incident happened. I, I could remember. It's been, a few, it's been a few years, so yeah. So, so point being, Vince McMahon is more along the lines of Ray Rice in this situation. Roger Goodell is more along the lines of Nick Khan in this situation. Ray Rice never played another down in the NFL. Vince McMahon has come back because he has the power to come back. And uh, Nick Khan applauds him for the way that he came back. Those are his words. Um, so anyway, and by the way, the, the analogy to the NFL... Uh, within it, the point that no advertiser has fled Nikon's words, uh, according to Stephanie McMahon, the now resigned co-CEO, former co-CEO, on August 15th, WWE's Q2 2022 earnings call, she told everybody in public, 
quote, we are tracking towards our guidance and sales and sponsorship is holding steady. She's talking about ads and sponsorships. She goes on to say, we had a bit of a hold given the current situation, but a lot of positive momentum behind that. We are now picking up once again. Ambiguous what she might be referring to. Was she referring to the controversy surrounding Vince affecting advertising? Well, on November 3rd, while she was sitting next to Nick Khan at the Wells Fargo TMT conference, she says she's being asked again about ads and sponsorships. This has been a, a source of conversation for analysts who believe that WWE is under-monetized when it comes to selling their ads and sponsorships, both in terms of what the ad rates are, the CPMs that they, that they provide for networks like Fox and NBC Universal, and for their in-program sponsorships and ads that you see on Raw and SmackDown and in the, the PLE content. She says, we're seeing positive momentum with sponsors. Remarkable how similar these quotes are. <laughs> We're seeing positive momentum with sponsors. And again, like I said on the calls, we did have a pause. In addition to the macro headwinds, you know, of course, there was some change and things that happened in our company this year. And we're definitely seeing for next year what we wanted to see. She goes on to, to sort of, in a, in, a, in a joking way, say, that, believe it or not, some companies are actually risk averse. I don't think that leaves any doubt that what she's talking about is the fact that the, the bad news surrounding the alleged wrongdoing of Vince McMahon hurt WWE's ability to sell advertising. Perhaps it hurt Fox and NBC Universal's ability to sell advertising. Um, so that part of Nikon's analogy about the advertising doesn't make sense. His comparison of Ray Rice and and what of really of Roger Goodell to Vince McMahon in those situations doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, moving on, we've got more comments from from Nick defending Vince McMahon, where he says it's being WWE is a publicly traded company, but with that controlling share, Vince's controlling share, it gave him a lot of authority, and he used it, and I applaud him for doing so. Um, Bill Simmons, who did press. Nick Khan on, on a lot of issues. He really, I think he, I think he had to ask Nick about three times why Stephanie resigned from the company. Uh, but he didn't seem to be aware that Nick Khan, who was a member of the board of directors, when the board of directors wrote the December 27th email to Vince McMahon saying that they unanimously agreed that Vince shouldn't come back to the company. Nick Khan agreed to that statement that, that each member of the board of directors agreed to, to say, Hey, we're all on the same page here. We want you to be involved in maybe a company transaction, but we don't think you should be coming back to the company. Um, that is become executive chairman, which is what he's done now. Um, Nick goes on to say, and by the way, I made it a point, as did others, to see him, Vince, once a month or so while he was sitting out. I think those things are important. And it's no different, in my opinion, than when other mutual friends of ours have gone through hard times professionally. That's when they sort of need to hear from folks, mostly to say that, hey, you haven't been forgotten about and you're appreciative of them and all those things. So I think in, say, in staying in contact that way, which was mostly social and personal, there was never a moment of in saying, no, do it this way or do it that way. That just didn't happen. So he's saying that, that Vince never, never tried to interfere and, and say that, hey, look, you're in charge of the company, but I don't like the way you're doing it. Nick says no, that none of that ever happened. But interesting that he was uh, once a month or so just purely personal and, uh, and social visiting Vince. Um, he also mentioned in here that, that Vince went to Italy, had a great time in, the, in his first month or so away from the company. 
uh, just had a, had a, I mean, he was worked so hard for so many decades, had a great time, uh, was, you know, really enjoying his time off. Um, I think it's, it's, it's interesting. Something that I think we've learned in the last week or so is that, you know, there's, there's accountability and consequences for some people in this world that is inverse to the amount of power and influence that they have. Um, if you're Jay Briscoe, there's, there's at least some consequence for you. Um, if you're, if you're John Laurinaitis, you can't come back to the company. I mean, it may take 10 years for you to get kicked out after your, your, your first NDA. You may, it may, may take, your, take to your second NDA, an inappropriate relationship, before you finally do get kicked out. Uh, but eventually, you do get kicked out. Uh, but for people like Dana White, and definitely for Vince McMahon, there isn't really accountability for you, at least not as of this moment. Um, Nick goes on to say, I haven't seen any sort of heat from him being Vince towards anybody who's at WWE with WWE. There's no commentary for him. There's no, why did you, you know, Paul and, and you hire this person or why did stuff do that? So again, not interfering, not, not exuding his influence, despite being the controlling shareholder throughout all this time. Of course, um, Nick goes on to say, when Vince stepped down, anyone who believed that was permanent doesn't know him. That was never going to happen. But I'm appreciative of the fact that he gave it the five, six months. Let the dust settle a little bit. Then the dust, I'm sorry, let the dust settle a little bit. And then coming back in the way these come back. Um, I want to repeat part of that. Anyone who believed that was permanent doesn't know him. There was never, that was never going to happen. But I'm appreciative of the fact that he gave it the five, six months. So what do you think Nick Khan is saying there? Does, does that ring any bells to you about Maybe, maybe some problems that that statement might cause. Um, I mean, just with, with all this, like, I just think the, the accountability aspect and how it's just business as I got a very business as usual vibe Absolutely. from this comment and all these other comments. What I'm trying you know, to get at there is that, Nikon is the sole CEO. He's the co-CEO, the sole CEO, yeah. whatever he is, throughout all this time. He's a, he's a top five executive in WWE. He's a member of the board of directors. People in, the, in those positions have a fiduciary duty. Do you know what a fiduciary duty is? Can you tell us, tell us what a fiduciary duty is? I mean, isn't that a duty to the shareholders, like to, to fulfill your That's job right. to the fullest expectation? You, yeah. you, you have a duty to do things like make sure that the shareholders' interests are, are being represented and fully explored. Um, and if you're saying things like anyone who believed that was permanent doesn't know him. Now, it, it, it makes it sound like, what, what, what do our disclosures mean? When we put out a disclosure on July 25th that said Vince McMahon has resigned, I'm pretty sure investors were meant to believe that that was a permanent resignation, that, that nobody wanted him back. Now, to be clear, do I think if you asked Nick Khan and, and he gave you an honest answer about whether or not he expected Vince McMahon to, I, well, I don't know. He's saying the opposite. There, so, um, well, and, and then if they expect him back, why didn't he just take a leave of absence? I, I think Nick Khan is trying too hard to, oh my, everything's normal here. No, it's not surprising that he came back. I think, you know, who knows what, what the truth is that this man really believes. I don't know. And I don't know if he knows. Or if he's just sort of language to him is just a strategic game that you that you use to get to where you want to go to to be to become something that is called successful. 
And I think he's trying too hard I'll to say this. maintain a, a, a presence of normalcy here at, at the risk. I'm going to make this point because it's a subtle point. But at yeah, the, no, at the risk in, yeah. of making, making it sound like you're contradicting your own company's disclosures with the Securities and Exchanges Commission. When you've got two, two cases out there that have been filed as complaints against your company uh, that, that are meant to be shareholder class action. Now, do I, do I think these shareholder class action lawsuits that are out there are going to be a big deal? Probably not, especially considering the trajectory of the stock price. So the stock price has done, done nothing but grow since June 15th, since all this started, since the first Wall Street Journal report came out. That probably isn't going to go anywhere. Um, but th- th- this, is, this is probably not a smart thing for Nick Khan to say. Is it going to be the end of the world? Is it going to cause WB all of this trouble? Probably not. But uh, n- not, not the smartest thing to say, especially when, according to, to the comments that have been disclosed by WB itself, in, again, in that December 27th email from the board to Vince, where they reference, as, they, as the company has referenced before that, that you've got pending investigations happening with the SEC because you've got all, this, all these problems where you haven't reported the company expenses that should have been recorded as company expenses related to Vince McMahon's NDAs, related to paying Donald Trump, and things of that nature. So probably doesn't help your, your, your appearance of, conduct, of, of the company conducting itself responsibly to the SEC and to its investors. Anyway, you wanted to say. Well, it, it kind of along those lines that, you know, we've talked on here. I think all three of us, uh, you, Jesse, and I, all expected Vince to try to at least to come back or to, because he wasn't just going to sit there and, and, and be an old man and do and fly kites. I think we like, we knew he was going to try to do something, but they didn't have to be so welcoming. And Nick Khan is making it sound like it was so welcoming. Like, Hey, come on back, Vince. They weren't, like, there wasn't any, they, they all agreed that he shouldn't come back, but he just legally, he had the leverage to do so. But just the way Nick Khan's coming off, it sounds like he was the least welcoming of it. Of, of course, in hindsight, every, everything was great and normal in hindsight. Yeah. Uh, that 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 is that is that is definitely an objective in my view of, of this interview. Um, of other news coming out of here, he, he does publicly confirm. We finally got somebody from WB on the record saying this story that was reported the night of, of Stephanie's resignation a couple Tuesdays ago. This story that made its way around Twitter that WB supposedly was sold and taken private in, in, in cooperation with the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund. Nikon says that that is, quote, 100% fake, 100% made up, saying there was an imminent transaction, totally false, end quote. Uh, that's consistent with what I've heard. Uh, so I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm appreciative. I'm appreciative of, of Nick saying this on the record because I have not heard anybody, you know, I've, I've asked, I think I've asked, I'm sure others have asked WB. I think I've asked WB about it and, and we haven't gotten a response about whether or not this is, is a real story or not. Um, so the lack of on the record confirmation that this is not a legit story made me wonder if there was some truth to it, but he says there's no truth to it. That doesn't, that still doesn't mean that this might not happen eventually. And if any of these deals is going to happen, this still may be the most likely one in my view. Um, okay. I want to briefly run over some descriptions of Nick Khan in, the, in this interview from, from just random quotes around Twitter. 
to to exemplify what I see as the perception of of, of Nick Khan and the way that he uh, conducts himself and comes across as a CEO and as an executive. Uh, I've read things like Nick Khan did an hour long interview with Bill Simmons. It's really fascinating, not because anything terribly interesting is said, but because you can see why Khan got where he has. He's smooth as hell. Another comment. Dude is going to end up running the NFL one day. This is after this interview, by the way. He's just so friggin' slippery, man. It's incredible. He's a really intelligent guy with a natural charisma about him. It's no surprise he's in the position he's in. I could listen to him talk all day. He has a silver tongue. What a credit to the WWE he is. Nick Khan could sell anything. He's smooth. Nick Khan is so smooth, etc. Um, I, I guess he's, he's saying a lot of things that you could take for granted if, if you were not paying close, close enough attention, I guess. I, I found him to lack credibility in, in this interview, and I found him to come across um, inconsiderate of sexual misconduct allegations. Um, but what do you expect? What do you expect a, a CEO to do in this situation? I don't know. You don't have to do the interview. I mean, uh, nor did you have to continue working with the company, but, but maybe that's asking too much. Um, any other thoughts to add to that? Um, just to kind of recap, like just other stuff on the interview with him, like he, you know, he knew the the points to talk about how it was the benefit of the stockholders. He came back, the stock's up. He mentioned that when he was discussing the sale, and I don't know if you have anything on this. I didn't really see him anymore. When he was discussing the sale, he mentioned a lot of scenarios, but he like, he didn't really mention a true scenario where Vince wants to stay in charge. He was kind of talking about, oh, yeah, I think, you know, he thinks it's time to maximize the potential, but it could be where we might merge with somebody or we buy a smaller company. But he didn't go out and say, like, hey, we could be, you know, we could be sold with with the whole staff still in place or been still in place. I I I didn't get that impression. I I feel like and and I I don't know, I've, I've, you know. We've published the transcript of their all employees meeting where they also said things to yeah. this effect. They've also what I'm about to say, where they've also said in press releases that, hey, this may or may not result in anything. And yeah. Frank Riddick did did tell employees that this could result in a take private situation. I believe Nick Khan said in this interview that it may that that is one of the possibilities. That there are, you know, he, he really made it sound like there are a lot of possibilities here. Everything yes. is on the table. I was looking for more of a sales scenario where, but, you know, but yeah, he kept saying strategic alternatives and bringing up a lot of different situations. So. Yes. Okay. Um, in other news, February 2nd, there will be a WWE earnings call. February 2nd in the morning is when they'll do the call and they'll release documents. We do expect this to be the, a new record for annual revenue, a new record for profitability another year of setting a record in, in financial numbers for WWE. We expect one, almost $1.3 billion. I almost said million. Oh, not, not, not the mere millions. 1.295 is my specific estimate for the full year of 2022. They will report Q4, so we'll have a full year to, to sum up. Uh, that's what we expect. I also expect it to be a, a new record for net income, all of their other fun profitability metrics. Um, and even, yes, even when you, if you're new here, even when you adjust for inflation, this blows away the Attitude Era. Update those 1999 and 2000 and 2001 numbers.
to today's dollars with all our inflation that we've experienced in the last calendar year, it's, it's almost double. It's a, it's a lot more. It's like the, the best attitude era year, uh, fiscal year, was t- 2001, where they did almost $700 million in today's money. They're not quite going to double that, but almost in 2022's reporting. Um, do you have anything else? Um, expect anybody to, to comment and to break news on the earnings call about this strategic alternatives about the potential sale or merger or whatever about the company. Don't expect it. Um, analysts will probably ask because that is in the shareholders interest to discuss. Uh, unlike media stories, which they generally do not ask about. Um, that is very much a, an, an equity value story. So they will, they will at least ask or W will say, Hey, before you even ask, we're not going to talk about it, which is basically what they've said in some press releases. Um, don't expect breaking news uh, on February 2nd. Um, so, by the way, W Creative, is it better than is it better now than when Vince McMahon left? Well, uh, I, I ran the numbers on Cage Match for what that's worth. The inmates at Cage Match, uh, Raw and SmackDown, and I've drawn the line here for people watching the video. I've drawn the line at July 22nd, 2022. And you can see the, the, the reception, the ratings for the episodes of Raw and SmackDown. They immediately respond <laughs> uh, right where I've drawn the line on, on the date that he resigned. Um, and they've uh, kind of held up. SmackDown has held up more so than Raw. Raw has this dip in the fall, but it did recover somewhat. In any case, yeah, I mean, these are both, if you, if you averaged them out, they're definitely better than than the months before Vince's exit, where he did resign as head of creative. By the way, how's AEW doing in the same measurement for Dynamite and for Rampage? Rampage, if you, if you did what's called a slope here and you calculated this, the, the angle of the slope here, is that the right word, angle? Anyway, you'd, you'd have a negative slope here, meaning over the, over the entire history of Rampage, um, not, not, not just because of the early weeks, the, the reception on cage match for Rampage has gone down while Dynamite's pretty much steady. I mean, there are ups and downs, but it's pretty steady. Uh, to give you some idea of, like, are people enjoying this product? I think it's not, at least among the inmates who are voting. Dynamite stable, Rampage, not as good as it used to be. Smackdown much better than it used to be. Raw has its, had, a, had a down period in the fall, but better than it was under Vince is what cage match data would tell me. For what that's worth, you may decide. There were WWE layoffs recently, including this past week, uh, including to areas, record-breaking profit, but there have been layoffs, including to areas in, in consumer products, and in, in international, in HR. Um, most notably, uh, Adam Hopkins, who worked for decades in WWE, in, in, in media relations, uh, he has left the company. Uh, he is somebody on a, a couple of occasions I've interacted with, but I'm sure he's interacted a lot with wrestling media members. Um, I, I wonder if the the layoffs in the consumer products area has to do with the, the new Fanatics deal. They've outsourced uh, their merchandise, their online merchandise business to Fanatics. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I have asked and I have, I have not found out if that's, if that's a related story. But I wouldn't be surprised if maybe – of a lower level of layoffs may, may still be on their way. Um, 
any more questions? Uh, any, any questions to go to here before we we plug? Um, we can discuss a super chat we actually got here uh, okay. from MJ. I'm just gonna find it. Very. By the way, thanks for everybody lo- listening to our uh, not our normal time here. We got a lot of chatter, a lot of people listening. Good stuff. Um, but yeah, MJ uh, asks Hogan and Flair on Raw 30, which is tomorrow. Ratings are going to be best in months. Where's the lie? Sucks but true. Um, what what would be the the last really good Raw rating? The post SummerSlam is was a really good rating. Yeah. Does it beat that? What what was that? I feel like I'm going to break this computer if I open up the WrestleMania Series spreadsheet. But but I'll try to look it up. I I do expect this to be a big rating uh, tomorrow night. Um, with all these people coming back, I think it's not to get conspiratorial, but I think it's interesting that they decided to change their plans with this, uh, you know, this what was it tribal ceremony they were going to have, and they've they've changed it to a to an angle with Sami Zayn that does sound suspiciously like a sudden change in plans that might be associated with Vince McMahon meddling and creative again, but but who knows? Um, if so, if we go back to the post SummerSlam episode, which I believe was early August, right? Because SummerSlam was actually in July this year. So August 1st, 2.23 million viewers. 2.23 million viewers is what that episode of Raw did. I would say that's a, maybe that's a score to beat. Does it get up to 2 million? Because what, what has Raw been doing lately? It's been doing 1.5 million is what it did last week, Monday. Uh, now, granted, that was against an NFL wildcard game. Uh, but week before that, it did about 1.7. So, I don't know. Can it get above 2 million? Maybe. Probably. Probably above 2 million. I don't know that, it, that it's going to beat that post-SummerSlam number, but maybe. Maybe. Um, anyway, is, is that all for now? Yeah, MJ did say that uh, the where's the lie was with the Nick Khan stuff uh, related to Khan's perception of how scandal uh, works, you know. Where's the lie? So yeah, uh, have, have you forgotten about the scandal now? But uh, we've we've talked about it. We've litigated it. He did his interview. He he sat down. He he went he went head to head with Bill Simmons, his friend. Um, you've forgotten all about this now, right? Are we done with this? Get no. off your high horse now. No, I'm I'm going to be riding that high horse to the end of the show. <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Um, by the way, uh, patreon.com slash If you're not a subscriber already, that's where the quarter hours are. Uh, we also had an analysis. Oh yeah. We have some power slap analysis just to compare how power slap did, uh, as a percentage of dynamite's viewership versus other original programs that have followed dynamite. And, uh, uh the answer is it basically did normal. 
Uh, it was a normal. I've, I've seen people like kill this like it was a terrible rating. I mean, it wasn't an impressive rating by any means. Uh, the power slap at 10 p.m. on Wednesday. Um, but it, it, as a percentage of Dynamite's viewership, it held on to about a third of it. And that's about normal. But you can look, look at the numbers for yourself if you're a subscriber. Um, anyway, moving on. The Nielsen put out another The Gauge. I, I, know, I know that's uh, Chris Gullo. He, he, he rings my phone when, when The Gauge comes out. He's very excited about that. He wants to know, is Tubi on there? Is Tubi, was Tubi, did Tubi finally make The Gauge? It did, it did not. Trying. Tubi did not make The Gauge. Um, I've heard that in order to get a call-out data label, well, our fans of Excel will know exactly what I'm call, talking about. To get a data label uh, call-out for your streaming service on Nielsen's The Gauge donut chart, you need to hit 1% at some month in the past or, or the current month. So that's why we have the Pluto on here with, with less than 1% at a 0.8%. Uh, but in the past, they have achieved 1%. Uh, but guess what has never achieved 1% of consumption on television in a month? Tubi TV. Tubi. It's Tubi. Um, what is other streaming? People ask this every time. Go, go, go to Nielsen's The Gauge page, and I'm sure they'll, they'll explain their methodology. Probably some gaming. Um, perhaps yeah. DVDs. Um. <clears throat> I'm wondering if it's that's watching networks that have streaming, like watching like TBS, TNT, demand, maybe, yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, so, so how much now? Now we all know traditional TV is dead. The bundle is unraveling, right? And nobody watches traditional TV anymore, right? As as the the Forty Niners and Cowboys play on traditional broadcast television. Traditional TV still makes up more than half of all the time that is spent watching television. I feel like our our our, our young savvy listeners might be might be surprised to, to hear that. I and I know we remind you of this from time to time, but it is still the case throughout December. Uh, streaming only made up thirty eight point one percent, and in fact, in fact, that streaming that thirty eight percent of the time that people spend in front of a television that is streaming, so more than a third, more than a third. Some of that includes. YouTube TV. Some of that includes Hulu Live. So the VMVPDs, is that my, am I saying that right? The VMVPDs. So that's things like YouTube TV, Hulu Live TV, Sling. There's probably a couple others out there. Um, that's being counted in this methodology as streaming, despite it being a platform for traditional cable and broadcast over a streaming tube. Anyway. That's the latest there. Uh, Netflix. I'm no longer an investor in Netflix. I'm getting rid of, rid of most of my media stocks. We'll, we'll touch on that, in fact, <laughs> a little later. Netflix had its earnings report this past week. Ted Sarandos of Netflix. Ted Sarandos, who is the co-CEO. By the way, I, I guess we'll, uh, we can touch on this now. Reed Hastings, no longer a CEO of WWE. Of Netflix, uh, now what, what? What is his name? I've got a couple slides ahead here. I'll jump in. Uh, Greg, Greg Peters, yeah. Greg Peters, and Ted Sarandos, co-CEOs. I have a feeling they will last as co-CEOs longer than Nick and Stephanie did. Um, anyway, Ted Sarandos made a comment on the earnings call about getting into sports. Is Netflix going to get into sports? He says, "Quote: We're not anti-sports. We're pro-profits." <laughs> 
And we've not been able to figure out how to deliver profits in renting big league sports in our subscription model. Not to say that that won't change. We're open for business. He didn't say that. Uh, not to say that won't change. We'd be open to it. Maybe he did say that. But that's where it's at. So does that sound like a co-CEO who's going to bid on live Raw and SmackDown rights? Live? No. He's does been that pretty like, firm. But, but okay. But does that sound like maybe not the licensing? Because that's that's getting really expensive. And W Ron SmackDown writes if if, yeah. if these these big networks don't care about Vince's sexual assault and sexual harassment allegations, that's that's going to continue to grow just fine. One point five x is what's built built into the stock. Um, but maybe what if they would Netflix be a buyer? Would Netflix yeah. buy WWE? What do you think? I mean. I think that's a possibility. Like, did they? Was it public that they wanted to buy Formula One, or did they never? Did they not try to buy Formula One? We would have to look into that. I, I believe yeah. there was interest from yeah. from Netflix, but I, and I, and I, I, I would think that Netflix may have made a very competitive and perhaps higher bid than ESPN slash Disney did. But yeah. ESPN has that reach that Netflix does not, at least when it comes to sports. Uh, but by the way, th- those. The quote that we just referenced was tweeted by Sarah Fisher from Axios. Um, but then we got Alex Sherman from CNBC saying, uh, and, and I think they're just live tweeting the earnings call, Netflix CEO Ted Sarandos declines to comment on any potential WWE acquisition interest. Can you read anything in the tea leaves there from his no comment? Does that mean he wants it or doesn't want it? Um, I think that means – you can't read it, but I think that means that there's there is probably some interest. Okay, well, let's consider this interview that Lucas Shaw did with the new co-CEOs of Netflix. Uh, Where he's from Bloomberg, Lucas Shaw is, and he and he says uh, he asks them, "You guys are still ahead of pretty much everyone." And he's talking about subscribers, but would buying a library, buying a library, help reduce the number of people canceling? Who's got a library? W's got a library. Ted Sarando says. Can you build a big business without intellectual property and without a library? We just did. And and that's true, right? Netflix has created a lot of its own content. Um, God, I'm, I'm not up to speed on what's on Netflix in terms of what percentage of it is their own original content, but I think a lot of it is, right? And that's really what they're gearing towards, and that's a reaction to every other media player seeing that they have to get into streaming or that they're at least wanting to get into streaming and Hey, we've let's stop licensing our content and let's put it on our own platform. Uh, so Netflix saw that coming and said, by God, we have to start creating our own movies, TV shows, documentaries, etc. And they, they built it from they've built valuable yep. IP themselves. And that's Ted Sarando saying, No, why do we have to buy a library? They're, they did not name WWE. I don't want anybody to get, get it mis- misconstrued here. But that's the but WWE fits into what they're talking about here. Yeah, I mean, just recently with Stranger Things and Wednesday, I mean, they're... Squid Game. Squid Games, yeah, like... Yeah, so my takeaway here is that I would... These comments, this, we don't necessarily need a library. We're not sure how to make live sports work. No comment on whether we're interested in in acquiring WWE. I would say you can pretty safely rule out Netflix as an acquirer of the company WWE. Um, and plus, 
Vince McMahon has, has got public relations issues, to say the least. Now, there are, might be other in, interested acquirers, though, because Bloomberg also reported this week that Saudi Arabia explored a bid to buy Formula One. They bid more than $20 billion for Formula One. Um, Liberty Media's market cap is less than $20 billion. I believe it's something around $14 billion. So Saudi Arabia, the public investment fund, the PIF, this the same organization that was, according to Nick Khan, falsely rumored to be taking W private, made a $20 billion bid to try to acquire Formula One. It, it, was, it was turned down, this bid was. The Liberty Media did not agree to sell. How much is W worth market market value? What's the value of all the W shares? What's the, what's the market capitalization? Uh, it, it was for a while four point five, but it's up right now. It's like six, six and a half yeah, billion dollars. Um, is it gonna is is a sale? If a sale happens, going to be more than six six and a half billion dollars, probably. But here's Saudi Public Investment Fund throwing out a twenty a more than twenty million dollar bid. So tells me that sure. W's within their range. The money's there, yeah. If they have to make a, if they think it's worth it, they have to make a $10 billion bid. Maybe they would. Maybe they would. Okay. Have I, uh, have I, have I yelled through everything? I, I hope I wasn't, uh, clipping. Hopefully my audio was, uh, reasonable. Um, what else have we got to get to? Again, if you want to throw a super chat in, feel free. Um, oh, here's some, uh, some secret wrestling aggregator delight that I've heard nobody talk about or report on um people may know there's this ongoing lawsuit between mlw and wwe i I believe it just passed being one year since the original complaint by by mlw they're alleging antitrust and interference with mlw's business deals to make a long story short um they're my understanding of the case at the moment is that they're arguing about whether or not this case should go to discovery MLW wants WWE to produce a lot of documents and a lot of evidence to make a long story short. WWE would not like to do that. <laughs> they would like the, the judge should just dismiss the case before it gets to that point. Anyway, they're arguing about that. Um, one of the filings related to this lawsuit that came out this past week says that I'll, I'll just read this, this section of it. MLW has thus far served three third party subpoenas and has demanded responses by February 13th. These concern a different competitor's attempt to book a one to book one arena in New York City, Madison Square Garden in 2019, which that competitor ultimately succeeded in booking. Um, this is this is W's lawyers, Kane L. Gates writing this. Um, what are they talking about here, Chris Cullen? Uh, they're talking about uh, Madison Square Garden when it was ran by New Japan and New who Japan else? Show and R- Ring of Honor and Ring of Honor. Yeah. So th- these. So we we know it, it, during WrestleMania weekend in 2019 there was a, a sold out Madison Square Garden show co promoted by New Japan and Ring of Honor. Um, in 2018, June 2018, the then Ring of Honor COO Joe Coff. Uh, made these comments to PW Insider about their attempt at that time to book Madison Square Garden. Joe Coff says, quote, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, Mike, he's talking to Mike Johnson, because you're asking, I'm not going to discuss beyond this statement because I'm not going to litigate this in the press. We had a deal with the Garden 
and they then told us they were backing out after communications from the WWE. We are not able to get any other dates. Remember, this is June 2018. They eventually did book it. We are not able to get any other dates in any kind of discussion. I'm expecting that our lawyers will be contacting all the parties involved, and the best we can hope is that they is that we can find a resolution so we can bring the kind of energy and excitement that our, that Ring of Honor and our partner in Japan to a, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so they apparently they made it happen. I don't know what the story is there, but maybe the, the lawyers worked it out. Eventually, Ring of Honor and or New Japan booked Madison Square Garden, and it happened. So, um, I mean, it just gives you some idea about what kind of documents might, if this does go to discovery, might end up being exhibits if they're not sealed. <laughs> Um, we'll, we'll see. I think some, if this goes to discovery, if it does, some really interesting material might, might come up, come out. So anyway, one more thing, I think this is our last, our last item before we talk about some, some WrestleMonics things. Um, stardom, uh, there, there was a Bushy Road, uh, earnings report recently, uh, they, they did mention New Japan and stardom, so they basically always do. Uh, they, they noted that uh, New Japan's attendance was up 70% versus the same quarter than the prior year. This was the period from July 16, 2022 to August 18. This is for the G1 Climax. And they noted that stardom had 18,998 attendees for their 21 series tour the Stardom Grand Prix, which ran from July 30th to October 1st. Now, one of the issues in in the world of trying to understand the state of the Japanese wrestling business is trying to make sense of how real are those attendances that end up getting reported either by the companies themselves or by uh, Japanese sports outlets. Um, often, these attendances are greatly exaggerated for obvious reasons. Um, so that, that number, 18,998, basically 19,000. Um, if you go and look at the numbers that are in cage match, I'm not sure ultimately where they come from, whether they come from stardom itself or from, you know, reporting, but, uh, that's pretty close to the number that I get pulling out the cage match data. Uh, cage match doesn't have a data point for every event in the tour, but it's, you know, it's almost all of them and it's pretty close. So that tells me that at least in this case, that Stardom is being pretty honest because I think Bushi Road would have every reason to be truthful here when they're reporting that very specific number. So maybe the, it tells you maybe, maybe the Stardom attendances that you see are pretty accurate. And I would read that as, I don't know if that's paid attendance. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's paid attendance. Maybe it's total attendance that includes comps. So I would knock, if it's that, if it's the latter, I would knock off like 5%, but maybe because it's in a filing, maybe they are referring to paid. Um, in any case, people talk about stardom. Is stardom really becoming more popular? Well, if, if attendance is any indication, um, yes, in 2022, the number that I get by extracting the data from Cage Match is more than 77,000 attendees for the whole year. Doing the math by it, we do have most of the most of the events do have attendances that are in Cage Match. There's a few that don't, and I just throw it for the for the ones that are absent. I put I, I install the average and. We get 77,000 for 2022, which is higher than last year's 68,000, much higher than 2022 with, you know, obviously the, the pandemic interfering with, with live events and higher, a lot higher, more than twice as high as 2019, which is the last full year before COVID, which only had 34,000 attendees for stardom. So stardom continues to be one, one of, I mean, 
at this point with, with AEW basically becoming stable, especially, you know, the CM Punk's out of the way and all that stuff. Um, stardom is, I don't know if about the only, but, de- but definitely the, you might call it the fastest growing wrestling company in the world right now. Uh, it's, it's, it's on the most positive trajectory. Maybe there's some smaller companies that are on a more positive trajectory, but none, none bigger than stardom. Not that stardom is huge, but, uh, none doing as well as quickly as, as it, um, any more questions? No, that, that's, we only had the one super chat tonight. So, okay. okay. Um, anything you want to plug? Uh, just, uh, all, all my social media handles. Uh, um, I just had two comedy shows and a wrestling show. So I'm going to be taking it a little easy until February. So, but, uh, uh, and I'm free on uh, Sundays now. So I'll you're be here free, this Sunday. You're free on Sunday because the, the season's over with. <laughs> yes. So, so yeah, it was, it was, you know, did this, it was a fun bill season, but it gets a little heartbreaking when this is a repetitive story. Wow. Got to change up the storylines, NFL. Um, so, uh, we do, uh, do you have, uh, do you hold any W stock, Chris Call? I do not. You do not. I've never held any W stock. You used to hold, hold W stock. Yes. Stuff, correct. Yes. Okay. Um, D- WrestleNomics is now a, a limited liability company in New York State. In fact, um, I I just want to like update disclosures and stuff to so make sure that people know. I do not have any more media. Well, I have Apple. I have Microsoft. I have I have Airbnb um, and something else that escapes me at the moment. Um, so I'm. Oh, no, I have an index fund stock that reflects the NASDAQ. Yeah. So that's what's happening there. Um, I've, uh, I've had some questions recently about whether or not WrestleNomics does consulting. Do you, do you know that I've done consulting things, Chris Cole? Yeah, I do. I do. Yes. Yeah. So, and, I, and we have disclosed that in the past. So I haven't done any consulting since September 2020, which happens to line up with basically when we restarted the Patreon. Um, I, I did consulting for UWN for a very short time. I did a few consulting tasks for IWTV. I haven't done any of that since September 2020. Um, yeah. And, and, and it's always, I have been approached a number of times, uh, over the last couple of years about, about consulting things. And, uh, and it's, I've sort of wrestled with it, whether, I, whether I should, should do it or not. And uh, I haven't done any of it. And, uh, and I think it's pretty, pretty clear now that I, I'm not going to uh, do any of that because um, I've been been offered, you know, over the last couple of years uh, by by people from AEW and from WWE, and I have declined, and that would clearly be a conflict of interest. So just to make sure that people know that, um, and yes, uh, Chris Harrington did create WrestleNomics, and he is the AEW Senior Vice President of Business Strategy. Um, so just want to make sure that we're being diligent about making those disclosures and. and Chris Mookie is not involved in WrestleNomics in, in any way anymore. Uh, I am the sole member of the LLC. Not even you. I sh- I, you, you, you should have uh, leveraged me into some position here, Chris Cole. Not even you are a member of this LLC, apparently. I don't, I, I'm just learning how all these things work. But yeah, this is solely operated and financed by me. So, And uh, you did the ESW show this past... Uh, Friday, Friday, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I have not done that the last couple times. I don't know if I'll do that, but when I do for what it's worth, if I do, I will make sure we're, we're telling people about it. If that matters anyway, 
that's all for this week. We appreciate everybody tuning in and supporting. And uh, we will be back on Thursday with the Russellnomics 30. Talk to you then. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.